Texas is starting fires. Pork to death. A fire? It sounds like Hagrid. <laughs> Are you so hungry to die, dwarf? Or have you taken leave of your senses? Fire will bring the clansmen down on us for miles around. I mean to survive this journey, Lannister. How do you hope to do that? We have no chance of fighting our way back. But two can cover more ground than ten. And attract less notice. The fewer days we spend in these mountains, the more likely we are to reach the Riverlands. Ride hard and fast, I say. Travel by night and hold up the day and avoid the road where we can. Make no noise and light no fires. Ah, splendid plan, Bronn. Try it, as you like. And forgive me if I do not linger to bury you. You think to outlive me, dwarf? (laughs) (laughs) Riding hard and fast by night is a sure way to tumble down a mountain and crack your skull. I prefer to make my crossing slow and easy. I know you love the taste of horse brawn, but if our mounts die under us this time, we'll be trying to saddle shadow cats. <laughs> if truth be told, I think the clans will find us no matter what we do. Their eyes are all around us. <sighs> then we're dead men, Lannister. If so, I prefer to die comfortable. We need a fire. The nights are cold up here, and hot food will warm our bellies and lift our spirits. Do you suppose there's any game to be had? Lady Liza has kindly provided us with veritable feast of salt beef... Hard cheese and stale bread. But I would hate to break a tooth so far from the nearest Meister. I can find meat. <laughs> that's it, that's it, that's it. He's got a nose for meat. <laughs> Welcome to Game of Bones, everybody. It's a podcast. And we will now be replacing the guy who actually does the Game of Thrones audiobooks. Just so you guys know, we didn't try to do well on that or plan it. Even I'm just protecting myself for sounding absolutely terrible. Oh, no, not at all. I think you should, I think you should have kept the Hagrid uh, yeah. voice all throughout. Hagrid is Braun. Who would win in a fight, Hagrid or Braun? That's a good Hagrid question. Or Ooh, that's a good. Well, uh, considering even like curses just bounce off of Hagrid, yeah, I all those really stupefies just getting out of here, just bouncing right off his thick half giant skin. Guys, we are on the second day this week, and uh, Eric and I are once again coming at you from inside of the Goo Studios. We are once again alone this week but we heard that's how you like it yes and there's so much bromance in this chapter and it is reflected by the bros that are here in the studio that's true he's speaking in the third person about the two of us here we are (laughs) third person about the two of us there's no third person here or is there is there (laughs) mr well eric and zach sat down eric and zach sat down to record the podcast um Pour and that a, is the third person. A large glass of brandy wine ale. Uh, I still have my water bottle. Fans of the uh, old water bottle. Of the old geezer. <laughs> Fans of Shout the old, the old geezer. geezer yeah. <laughs> I can never get rid of this now that I re- realize that it is crystal geezer. Meth. Crystal meth. You're drinking crystal meth. <laughs> Power thirst. So, I don't know. It was two. It was $2 at the store, so... Well, uh, can't be very expensive. high quality math. <laughs> that is good math. So, Braun and Tyrion are on the shitty road, as we like to call it here in the studio, and they've just left what is now to be known as the Eyrie, which is always or the Vale, right? Yeah, that's it, the Vale. And they left the Vale, and they're on the road. Um, it's not the King's Road. Don't get confused, kitties. It's not the King's Road. Just so you guys know. It's dangerous where they are. And Tyrion just wants to light a fire. Why can't he just light a fire? He can't light a fire because fires can be seen and heard and smelt. I think back to a scene from Fellowship of the Ring when they're they're walking toward Weathertop and there's a slight jangle of pots and pans behind Aragorn, son of Arathorn. Do you remember Eric? 
Um, I'm remembering the scene where a fire causes the ring wraiths to show up, and isn't that when Frodo gets stabbed? Ice crispy bacon. Yeah, well, there, there's that scene. The scene yeah. I'm speaking about in particular is sort of the precursor. They're jangling about, about to just light a fire because hobbits are so good and so quick at doing this. And Aragorn turns around, and he looks at him, and he's like, he's so pissed. You can see it in his face. Viggo Mortensen is great at this. He goes, what are you guys doing? And uh, he's like, we're having breakfast. And he's like, what? You get, we already ate breakfast. He's like, we ate like two hours ago. Like, what are you doing? He's like, he's, the best part is that Pip looks up at him, right? He looks up at him with this look on his face where he's just so pleased with himself that finally he gets to make Strider look stupid. Strider's always bossing him around. He looks right up at Strider, up, and he says... Yes, and he puts on this face, and he goes, we've already had breakfast, but what about second breakfast? <laughs> it's one of the best things that's ever happened. And, um, you know, Mary goes, I don't think he's heard of that one, Pip. And he's like, what about dinner? Or he's like, he's like brunch, lunch, dinner, supper, afternoon tea, just keeps going, whatever, I don't even remember them all. But, yeah. but then Aragorn throws the apple at his face. This reminds me of that scene, except there's no Aragorn. They're both just kind of on the same playing field. Yeah, so uh, immediately, as we catch these guys walking from the Eyrie, um, you know, Tyrion kind of questions Bronn's motives um, in fire. They're just sort of having a casual conversation about the fact that Bronn uh, was, you know, champion for, for Tyrion. And um, there's a, a very – there's this argument that, that arises over Tyrion wanting to cook some food and them having different uh, ideas of how they should be traveling. And um, Bronn says to him – and a little bit after the, the passages we read, he says, uh, you know, make no mistake, dwarf. I fought for you, but I do not love you. Oh, so the love is And I thought that was, that was unbromantic, actually. No bromance there. Uh, to which Tyrion replies, it was your blade I needed – not your love. <laughs> well, is he playing hard to get, though? That's the question. I think he's playing hard to get. You know what I'm saying? I think he loves the dwarf. I'm thinking back and sort of like thinking forward if we're looking at the chronology of the show. Uh, the scene where they're in the tent and they're playing the game and Bronn's like, oh, better piece out of here. He was having such a good time playing that game with them. You can see it on the actor's face. He was just having a good time. Oh, yeah. So does he love Tyrion? Not yet. Maybe not. Maybe not, maybe yeah. not. But I, I think uh, the more time you spend with Tyrion, the more time, the more excuses or reasons you have for loving him. I mean, he ends up talking them out of a, a sudden death experience yet again. Uh, you know, it's just he seems to have a knack for talking his way out of trouble. Um, but there's also this this great, um, you know, a lot of that has to do with Tyrion being so well connected, even though he's so, um, you know, flawed in terms of being out on his own in the middle of nowhere still his name, his birthright, um, means something. And the fact that he's able to promise these mountain men, um, you know, something that will allow them to spare their lives is uh, unexpected. Could you imagine what it'd feel like to have sort of, I don't want to say power, but I guess it is power, but to have the passive character trait, if this is a video game, to have the passive character trait, to know that if you uttered your name even to the Hills people, you know what I'm saying? Like they would understand who you are. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I think that's pretty cool. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's anything else in their conversations I I, I wanted to talk about. But it, needless to say, Tyrion does uh, convince Bronn to to start a fire. <laughs> this is the funny thing is Tyrion's heart. the one who Tyrion's the one who wants the fire, but Bronn's the one who has to make it. 
because he's like, well, do you have any flint? <laughs> That's and, perfect. And he like throws flint and Tyrion catches it and then he tries striking it and can't get it started. So Bronze like takes it and starts the fire and and then ends up having to find the game for them to cook. Perfect. Yeah, uh, to be a little lordling, even though he's older, but you guys get it. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. Tyrion is the brains of the operation, but every but Bronn is the brawn. You know? <laughs> there you go. Nice work. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, it's it's good. It's there's not much to be said about this chapter, unfortunately, guys. It's something like five pages long, right? I'm on the iPad. Yeah, back so to it's back. Different. So it's like ten, 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 ten sides of a page or something. It, 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 I read it in like two minutes. It was crazy. I, I didn't even speed. No speed. And I wasn't even on speed. He, he was on the meth water. Just the, got, the, him, the right, got him right <laughs> through it. No, but um, there there is actually a fairly important part of this chapter for the the Tyrion character, um, which you know is 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 absolutely worth mentioning. Which is we learn about Tyrion's first wife. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Perhaps his only wife uh, to date. Maybe not, but uh, his first wife. It's this 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 story that you kind of just have to read, really. Um, but I wrote in my notes while I was reading it, it's the saddest story ever with a happy ending. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Which is a small joke. No, it's 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 actually quite terrible. Essentially, um, unbeknownst to Tyrion, his brother Jamie hires uh, a whore um, to be his first and hires some men to chase her out of a uh, strategically located cabin. While Tyrion and uh, Jamie happen to be passing by on horseback, right, and uh, you know they come to her rescue, and 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 you know one thing leads to another. Um, but as it turns out, of course, you know Tyrion, as shy as he is, is forced to relive uh, the you know his his I guess is, is forced to look upon that moment with shame when he learns that she was a whore, and in fact his father, uh, and this is this is Tywin Lannister here we're talking about Tywin, who I love watching on the show. Um, you know, kind of points it out that the that you know this girl that Tyrion did love was paid for, and not only that, but then proceeds to have all of the men of his, I guess, the equivalent of his Kingsguard, but just like all the men in the area under Tywin Lannister, then pay this woman for her services. Um, and Tyrion is forced to watch, and he is the last person. Uh, who is forced to kind of uh, mate with her in in this new capacity? So that's that's very terrible. Um, it is, but but also an extreme character. I was thinking like how brilliant it was when I was reading it because I was like, wow, this will this will change you. Like you know, this will this will absolutely be a driving force in who Tyrion becomes if he didn't already hate his dad. And uh, Bronn says as much. He says, you know, I'd have killed any man who did that to me. And uh, Tyrion says, well, you may get your chance. You gotta say it in the voice, Eric. Say it in the haggard voice. (laughs) I'd have killed any man that to me. (laughs) (laughs) The things you don't know about. Uh, if anyone wanted to know some stuff, they'd do well to defile the spiders. And I'd have killed any man who did that to me. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure Jamie's intentions were well. Being the kind of person that he is, he probably thought that that was perfectly acceptable and and fine. And I guess if Tyrion would have never found out, it would have been a a strong sort of like manly masculine moment for him that he got to do that. No, instead he gets to see his wife at that point, yeah. you know, being taken by these men and, and they have to pay her a silver for her services every time they take her. And, and Tyrion himself says in recounting it, I wrote this in the notes, so many silvers in her hand, they were slipping out of her hands and rolling on the floor. So this is, this is just terrible. Right. This is a, a, a terrible, terrible story. And, of course, um, you know, it's a bonding moment for, for Tyrion and Bronn, um, 
but you know they're they're actually able to catch a little bit of sleep before waking up to find their camp is being raided. I think that uh, up to this point we do know that Braun really had he he really liked Tyrion a lot, especially after how he stepped up on the King's Road. But I feel like this was sort of the juxta. This was the the moment where it was like, okay, I'm I'm less of a just a traveler and more of I'd like to see this through with you. I'd like to be your friend, you know, and see what's going on because you've gone through some shit. Well, yeah, Tyrion calls out um, Bronn's real motives. It's weird because he, 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 Tyrion is like this active perceiver, if that makes sense. Like he's just simply been watching Bronn every, ever since the inn where, um, you know, Catelyn called the men and, you know, to seize him. Right. He's been watching Bronn and is basically deduced by the time he, um, you know, puts his name for, forward as sort of a, a, you know, a challenger to, for, to challenge for him, he basically figures that Bronn cares about money and that's it. Um, and, you know, and tells him such uh, on this little journey in this little chapter, he says, you know, you, I knew that you would care. You would probably go where the money was most, you know, likely to be promised or that sort of thing. And that's clearly with a Lannister in this case, because his use had been served once they were already at the Vale. So I just thought that that was kind of uh, sharp, you know, for Tyrion to have uh, kind of bet his life on something like that, which turned out to be true enough. Anyway. It's cool because, I mean, at the end of the day, what we're looking at here is such a great chapter with such great, vivid characters. You know, mm-hmm. like it's easy just to shrug this off and say it's a short chapter, but the the substance that's inside of it and what we can draw from it to the casual reader even is some strong shit. I mean, we're building the future of their friendships here and saying goodbye to the past parts of their friendship while also as readers learning that we like these characters more, but also learning so much about their own vulnerabilities. That's just beyond what we had preconceived before. That's redundant. (laughs) Yeah. No, furthermore, we get to meet Gunther, son of Gorn and Shaga, son of Dolph. Oh, he's here. (laughs) And some of you may uh, remember Shaga, son of Dolph from a threat that Micah issued a little while ago. (laughs) I like the threats or something on our show. When did that, when when did that become a thing? (laughs) I I was reading one of uh, Selena's posts on Hypeable for the, one of the recent episodes and she said something like Christian's threat is sick. You might want to wait around for it. And I'm thinking like, Oh, what a, what a great show we've built. Look, stay, stick around for the threat, everybody. <laughs> I, people used to, when I was growing up in school, we used to get in serious trouble for threatening people. Like, did you threaten him? Like, no, I didn't threaten him. I just said I'd kick his butt, you know, stupid head. But, you know, threats are celebrated here on Game of Owns, everybody. That's that's a good point. That They're is a celebrated. Good point. I never quite realized that myself. Um, anyway, go ahead. But, uh, oh, yeah, so quickly, so Gunther um, and Khan and uh, a Khan! few of the other... <laughs> I had to do it. I had to do it. Oh, I can smell your roommates baking right now, Eric. It's beautiful. Oh yes, my roommates are baking something. I think it's a pie. They're or baking a, your goat. A pastry. They're baking my goat. Yes. Or is it the mountain people's goat? Because they own everything on this mountain. Well, I would including... gladly pay for the goat, Eric. Okay. <laughs> pay with what? Your uh, silver. Your silver is ours. Your weapons are ours. Your clothing is ours. Pay with what besides your life, Zach? Um, I'll tell you what I can do. Here's what I'll do. My father, Tywin Lannister, beat as it may, kind of an asshole, but Charles Dance does play him in the popular HBO depiction of this here Ooh, novel Charles that Dance. we're in. Ooh, he, did he say Charles Dance? <laughs> yeah. Yes, he said Charles Dance. So what we're, what we're seeing here is a possibility that if you guys stick with me, I will pay you handsomely. And not only will I pay you handsomely, 
the ground that you're standing on, we'll just say it's yours. And no one will fight you because I'm going to give you all kinds of sweet helms with plus five agility gilded into it. And these little bracers that's just going to protect against all your bowstrings. So what do you say? Yeah. Here's the, here's <laughs> yeah. the, uh, here's the passage in the, in the, in the, and then this is, this is, this is leading up to my own of the week. Um, but, uh, Gunther says the gold of a lowland Lord is as worthless as a half man's promises. Tyrion replies, half man, um, half a man I may be, yet I have the courage to face my enemies. What do the stone crows do but hide behind rocks and shiver with fear as the knights of the Vale ride by? And Shagga <laughs> gave a roar of anger and clashed club against axe. Jagget poked at Tyrion's face with the fire-hardened point of a logwood spear. He did his best not to flinch. Tyrion says, are these the best weapons you could steal? Good enough for killing sheep, perhaps, if the sheep do not fight back. My father's smith's shit better steal. <laughs> <laughs> that is my own of today, of this episode, of this chapter. Of this life. Of this life. I'm going to have to give... My own is not as cool. It's not as cool. It's not cool like yours. It's pretty boring, and we pretty much already mentioned it, but I think it, it deserves to be spoken out loud again. And this is when Tyrion was speaking directly to these hills people, and he said... I am Tyrion, son of Tywin, of the Clan Lannister, the Lions of the Rock. We will gladly pay for the goat we ate. <laughs> I just love that. I agree. Yeah. I think that's 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 a, a cordial way of, you know, officially greeting somebody, but even they don't deserve it. No, you know? he puts they're, so they're... much attitude on that, though, you know what I mean? Like, I think we can cover the goat, bud. The uh, the chapter ends basically with him promising the Vale of Aaron, which we all know because we watched the show. Um, it, it leaves off kind of on a cliffhanger there because when we, when we finished reading that, we're <laughs> they're like, probably they're probably next to a cliff, right? Now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Double edged sword. Here's the thing. I don't think he meant to promise the, like Tyrion kind of only just re- resolved, resigned judgment on the veil. Like he's decided because now it is in his best interest to, to give these people something they want. He's promised them the, uh, the methods and the ability to actually crumble the eerie to, to bring it down, which is what they want. He's, you know, yeah. to kill everybody in the veil. You know, this is, this is Tyrion. Finally, his, is he's found a way to, to, to exact the kind of revenge. And it's, he's not a spiteful person, but just, the fact that he is able to survive, if he promises something like the veil, he's like, Oh, that's how I'll get my revenge on them. Like for what they did to me, like I'm going to take that stupid whore and her son, like, you know, to death by these mountain people. Like, that's pretty fitting, because that was ridiculous what I just went through. Right. Let's go to some tweets of this fine day here on the show. I'm not going to sing anymore. And now, here are your tweets of the day in Eric Skull's segment of Your Tweets in 78 Seconds or Less. Ellen Pye says, Loving my new knitting bag. And attached to that tweet is an image of her knitting bag. Winter is coming. Knit faster. Okay, followed by that, JD says, Game of Bones, when you interview Hodor, ask him about his wiener. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's from Accepted. Is that the movie where he's where uh, Jonah Hill is running around as a giant Hodor? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Don't worry, he volunteered that information. Go next. Ryan McAllister almost got an erect listening to Hodor Week. Oh, well. I uh, hope he doesn't Worth mean it. car wreck, and if so, I hope he almost, almost got into it, worth but not it. fully. Yes, <laughs> worth it. My lastest Game of Thrones comic is up. He, uh, This is Azad Injajikian. 
um, who is actually a, a comic artist for us, uh, or not for us, but you know, for for the fandom. He's uh, awesome. Definitely check him out on Twitter. We actually, I'm just going to retweet him right very now. And retweet just happened within the show. Just happened. Allie Tarwater says, I just snorted scalding hot coffee up my nose at the end of part three episode. Hodor week was fantastic. I'm glad she's not asking us to give her a new nose. Not as good as meth, but it works. Next up. <laughs> Gerprit Dillon retweeted uh, a post from us, and we have a few more retweets as well as new followers. Jordan Ketting, Christine Teller, Mike Wynn, Jessica Cat, and Ale Balch. Jessica Cat is a human cat. Game of Owns. And the segment has ended. Sorry about that, everyone. We just had to throw that on you. You're a little bit of Henry Vasquez in your voice there. <laughs> oh, 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 thank you. Uh, we, uh, we're going to be doing that sometimes because we just thought of it and it seemed kind of fun. We'll see what it turns into and totally stuff. If you would like to join that party, I'm pretty sure that my man Eric Skull here knows exactly how you can do that. Man, you're going to put the uh, the at symbol into your little Twitter uh Box. Just to clarify, women, you're allowed to do this as well. <laughs> women, you are encouraged to do this. Um, it's at Game of Owns, G-A-M-E-O-F-O-W-N-S, which is the same, coincidentally, as our website. If you were to type in Game of Owns, just add a little .com to the end of that Ooh. into your web browser, and you get to see our wall of owns as well as our podcast page and the latest news in the Game of Thrones fandom. Fandom. If Wait, you, <laughs> the segment's over. <laughs> if you also have a, uh, a comment or feedback of a longer format to share with us, you can do so via email at contact at gameofowns.com. And for the final words of the show, Eric Skull has some lastly advice for you all. You'd be surprised what a boy can make of a few lies, 50 pieces of silver, and a drunken septum. And find out on the next Game of Owns just which one of us did inherit the Velvaren. I'm Zach Louie. I'm Eric Skull. I'm Bronze Clearwater. <laughs> I'm Tyrion Lannister. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>